0: Hello my wonderful, beautiful friends, guys welcome back to our pro revenge, where in this episode you'll hear how a lunch thief gets his just desserts, no pun intended, and how OP's cheating girlfriend gets exposed. Guys, I hope you enjoy the stories today, and do remember to hit that subscribe button for future tales. So this took place when I was fresh out of university, working directly under an engineer. The office I was doing my 4,000 hours in was fairly large. It was a 5 floor office building, a construction firm. Well, I was lazy and always picked up lunch from Whole Foods, which was usually sushi, on my way to work. My floor had its own break room and fridge, and for the first six months, nothing ever went missing, until we got a batch of university office interns. It was at that point, lunches started to go missing all the time. Now, it wasn't just mine. Any lunch in store packaging had disappeared. It didn't matter if there was a name on it or not. Well, after two weeks of our lunches just walking away, we were all getting fed up. One of the engineers comes up with an idea and asked everybody to throw in a couple of dollars to help solve this problem. The following week, he sends a text to the store bought lunch people to meet in the break room. So we all meet up and he hands us this little spray bottle to spray the packaging of our lunches. It was a black light reactive spray, which is completely undetectable until you shine a black light on it. So lunch rolls around and guess what? Every single packaged lunch is gone. The guy then brings out a black light and he starts to look for fingerprints. He found them on the door down the hall to the elevator. Now, imagine 5 super nerdy engineers going down a hallway with a black light like something from a discount CSI. Well, there's fingerprints everywhere, right up to the elevator on the buttons down to the second floor. Down the hallway at this time, I figured some of the interns are stealing the lunches, but I was wrong. We followed it right to the head of the sales department desk, and we demand to see his hands. They were glowing like crazy. Not to mention that he had touched his face, so there was a glowing mask covering his face. So at this point, the guy knew he was caught. We then make an agreement to not go to HR, but to get a picture of this, and that we expect a pizza on our floor every Friday for two months. We then stayed extra that day to print out that glowing mess that was his face, and we printed at least a hundred of them, with a caption that said, Dirty, dirty lunch thief." And those things went up everywhere. We hung them in the bathrooms, all in the entryways of the building, and every office door and desk in sight. Needless to say, the lunches stopped going missing, and I was able to eat my sushi in peace. I worked there for two years after this, and the guy never got fired or punished, but he did get made fun of a lot, and he received the nickname of the Lunch Thief. Guys, that blacklight spray is friggin' genius. It's so funny how the guy tried to use the horde of new office interns to cover his tracks, only to get caught. And the funny thing is, that guy was the head of sales, which means that he's probably making a lot of money working for a big firm like that. And at that point, why do you even need to steal lunches? So, this is the story of how I found out my girlfriend of over 3 years was cheating on me, and how I went about getting my revenge. The story happened over a year ago, and I suppose firstly that I should start by telling you how I met my girlfriend, and what she came to mean to me. So I first met Sarah at a yoga class in the summer of 2016. Now, never in my life did I think that I'd see myself going to something like that, The silly spandex, the holier than thou attitude, and the way that everybody talked to each other like they were high. Now, this is not something I ever imagined myself doing, but when I hurt my back from falling off a first floor roof at work, I decided to give it a shot, on the recommendation of my back masseuse, and ended up finding a hall in my city doing beginner yoga classes. When the day to go came, and I walked through the door, I instantly stuck out like a sore thumb. Everyone was standing around talking, dressed to the nines in their best yoga gear, while I sauntered in wearing bog-standard shorts and t-shirts, looking like someone from a cowboy flick, walking onto a sci-fi movie set. I immediately wanted to turn and leave of course, but the woman doing the class had seen the pure terror in my eyes, and she came up to me and said hello. I told her why I was there and that I didn't feel comfortable, but she insisted that I should give it a try, as she thought it would help my back problems, and if not, no harm, no foul. Now it did make me feel better at that point, and I thought, F it. I might as well try and get my money's worth, even if I do end up looking like a diseased pretzel. It was then that I looked across the room, and seen the same look of terror that I had no doubt been portraying. This was Sarah. She had not long found out that she had scoliosis after years of being misdiagnosed. She was there with her mom, who was there for emotional support. So after seeing her, I instinctively gravitated towards her in the same way that a drowning person gravitates toward a life ring thrown at them. So after the yoga instructor had a chat with her, she shouted me over and said that it was Sarah's first time too, so maybe we should sit next to one another and give each other a bit of support. I said that was cool with me, and she also smiled and nodded, so I walked over. Now we hit it off right away. My emotions went from a bit of embarrassment to serious amusement as we both attempted to fit in with the rest of the class. After the class was over, we were still talking away, and I felt a genuine connection and butterflies in my stomach. As we said goodbye, we caught each other's gaze, and she smiled at me with a purity that, for the first time in my life, made me feel weak at the knees. Now, I wouldn't have gone back in a million years, had I not met her, but I decided to go next week, and when I walked in the door, I got those butterflies in my stomach again and was hoping to see her face, but she wasn't there. As I was sitting there, I felt this feeling of pure dread and was sad thinking, what am I even doing here? I felt a sadness that was hard to describe. It kind of reminded me when I went to this holiday caravan park when I was 12 with my grand and cousins. I remember seeing this girl there every night for a week and I instantly fell in love with her. But the funny thing is, I didn't say a word to her. But I psyched myself up so that I was going to try to speak to her on the last night of the disco. But when we went down there, she wasn't there. I'll never forget the feeling of sadness as we went home, and the girl had walked out of my life, and she probably didn't even know that she walked into it. I felt the same aching sadness when I didn't see Sarah. Now, I knew nothing about her. I had no way of contacting her and felt this surreal sadness that was hard to quantify. About four months later, I was working on a roof repairing a truss damaged in a storm, and we decided to stop for a break. As we made our way back to the van, the house owner comes out and asked us if we wanted cups of coffee. We accept it, and she comes out with coffee and biscuits. As soon as I saw this woman, I just knew her face from somewhere, but couldn't for the life of me place her. It wasn't until that night, after racking my brains, that I realized that it was yoga that I'd seen her before. That was Sarah's mother. The next day, I was back finishing the job, and the same thing happened. We stopped for a break, went down towards the van, and the woman comes out asking if we wanted some coffee. After we finished up, I took the cups and biscuit wrappers back and as I was passing them over to her, I asked her how her daughter was and was she still having those back problems. The mom looked surprised, but she smiled at me and said yes and then asked how I knew her. I replied that I had spoken to her at yoga class months back and she laughed and said she remembered me now. I then gave her my card with my number written on it and asked if maybe she could get her daughter to text me as I wanted to get back in touch with her. Shoot my shot, I thought, and I wish I hadn't now. So I then get a text message that night from Sarah asking how I was, and that she had looked for me again at the yoga hall, but I wasn't there. It turned out she had gone back the week after me, as she thought it was bi-weekly. We met up soon after, and we really hit it off again, and after 8 months, she moved in with me. She was funny, smart, and sweet, as well as being the most uniquely beautiful person I've ever met. She had a whimsical beauty to her. She had pointed ears and defined features, and she reminded me of a she-elf or something. I truly thought I'd found my soulmate. She had moved into my home and everything was going great. She was on disability and gotten personal independence payments. She was also getting steroid injections for her scoliosis, which along with painkillers and exercises, were keeping her pain at bay. We would alternate the cooking, and she did the cleaning and took care of our cat Mitzi. I was also making good money, so we were in a comfortable position financially. When I got back from work, we'd always be doing things like going out for walks, just always in each other's company. It was at this point i was seriously contemplating proposing to her things changed around halloween 2019 our sex life was always very active around october she started to complain a lot about her back hurting more especially just before the times we'd usually go to bed together anytime we did do it after that it wasn't passionate or intense and it felt like we were just going through the motions she'd also start complaining while we were in the middle of it so at that point i'd stop of course I started to get really frustrated, but I was positive that it was just a blip, and that we'd get through it together. The thing is, she seemed fine in all other aspects of her life, and she seemed happy. The first real red flag for me came in December, when she completely stopped showing me affection. She just became cold towards me, and she seemed repulsed when I put my arms around her or tried to take her hand. This was odd, as she was often the one who was so touchy-feely, with hands in the hair, constant reaffirming touches, kisses, and cuddles. When we'd sit on the couch, she'd basically be on top of me, and that all completely stopped. It didn't for Mitzi, though, and I'd be lying if I said I wasn't jealous of our cat. At this point, we were in the new year, and I suspected her of cheating. She had become downright hostile towards me. I started to try to up my workload in the house, but nothing was good enough. I ended up constantly being belittled and walking on eggshells and couldn't do right from wrong, and I was starting to become a humorless shell of my witty former self. One night, I get a hold of her phone, and I look through it, and nothing. It was clean as a whistle. There wasn't even any messages from her friends or her mother, which I found weird. It was then that my friend told me that if we were on the same plan, that I could check the carrier's website and see all the activity from her phone. We were on the same plan, and I paid for her phone. So that night, I logged into my account, I navigated to mobile, then her number, and then I started to sift through and there it was. Thousands of texts and calls to this one specific number. It had started six months previous, and it had dates, times, and how long the calls were. She'd be speaking to and texting this person for hours and hours while I was at work deleting everything before I got home, and then going cold turkey when I got back. I googled the number, and up came a local garage, one where she had gotten her car fixed previously. I remembered it taking a while for it to get fixed, and her complaining about it a lot, and the whole thing was a long, drawn-out affair. In more ways than one, apparently. At this point, I was ice cold. In my head, she was having an affair, so getting it confirmed was more a relief than anything else. I wanted to catch her in the act, rather than have her attempt to gaslight me and squirm out of the situation, so I found out everything I could about the guy. I found out where he lived, that he had a young wife and a child, found out what car he drove, and I even went as far as walking in, asking about prices, so I could look the guy in the eye and get a measure of him. His name was Carl with a K. Now, I knew the affair was physical for a lot of reasons, but the fact that their phone calls and texts stopped dead from 1 to 2 each day said to me that this was the time that they were meeting up. I came up with all sorts of silly plans. I thought about taking my friend's car to tailor to the place she was meeting the guy, and then jumping out of the car when they were in the act. There were too many variables in that though, and I'm no private detective. So one day, I decided to drive by his garage at about 12.30, and her car was just sitting there, and the place was locked up, so mystery solved. I was at this point at the end of my tether, I was ready to just tell her that I knew everything, and to get the heck out of my house when she asked if it would be okay to go away to a spa place for the weekend, alone. She told me she was depressed, and with her back being so much worse, that this place would be great help, with all the things she could do. She told me she would come back refreshed and like a new person. She was right about that, because I didn't know who the heck was standing in front of me anymore. Now obviously she wasn't going there alone, if she was even going there at all. This would be a dirty weekend away with this guy. I told her fine. I now had a new plan, and this would be the last thing I'd do for her. Now if you're thinking this is too much of a kerfuffle, then you're right, obviously. But my position is I wanted revenge, and I wanted to get her back with some style. I didn't just want to have her cry and gaslight me for days, and then leave on her terms with me being the bad guy. I decided that I would be the bad guy but it would be on my terms that she'd be leaving on. The Friday came, and the spa was a 100 or so miles down the road, so she decided to get a train. I jokingly asked her if she couldn't find something more local, and at this, she ummed and owed until I told her I was only kidding. So on this day, I get off a couple of hours early, and took her to the train station, despite her protest that she would get a taxi. I told her I wanted to see her off. So we drive in, and as I'm looking for a place to park, guess whose car I spot? That's right, Carl with a K. I think, F it. I'm gonna have some fun and make her squirm, so I park up directly next to him. They're now directly next to each other, door to door, and she immediately becomes uneasy, not knowing where to look. It was at this point I'm pretending to look for something, trying to make this moment last as long as I can, and the atmosphere is razor sharp at this point. Now what happened next genuinely caused me to do something out of my plan. She starts to silently giggle. You know when you go to church or someone dies and something funny pops in your head? And how it becomes mental torture to desperately try to think of something else and to stop yourself from laughing maniacally? Well, she's desperately trying not to laugh, and I'm pretending not to notice. She's tapping her hand on her trouser leg, and from the corner of my eye, I can see him, with his head on the steering wheel. She actually lets out a laugh and then quickly disguises it as a cough, and she starts to clear her throat. I start doing the whole tapping of the back thing, and I'm just thinking to myself, I can't wait to get you back. You see, we all go through life being the butt of the joke at least once, but you would never expect that from people who are supposed to have your back, even if you're conspiring against them at that point. I helped her into the train station with her things and made sure she had her bearings. I then say goodbye and walked away. By the time I got out, Carl was nowhere to be seen, so I went back home, composed myself, and carried out my plan. My plan was simple but effective. I start by having a locksmith come out to change the locks. I then proceed to pack all of her clothes and belongings into bin bags and put it around the side of the house. On Friday night, with the noise of her laughing at me ringing in my ears, I did something I would never imagined I could do. I took Mitzi's litter tray, walked around the side of the house with it, opened the bag to Sarah's belongings, and threw it in. I then give the bag a good shake and tied it up again. Now, if you're thinking that I'm an a-hole, then you're probably right. I'll never win any awards for being the nicest neighbor on the block. If I don't like you within five minutes of meeting you, I probably never will. And the only time I'd ever take out your trash is if you are the trash. If you do break through those barriers, though, I think I'm a loyal, caring person. I didn't do anything to deserve being cheated on, except maybe put cat litter in with her things, but that was after the fact. I then spent the Saturday in a mire of depression, answering her texts with the only energy I could muster, which wasn't a lot. I complained of a severe headache from a hangover that I never had, and the text then dwindled. The reality of what was transpiring hit home, and for the first time, sitting in my swivel armchair with Mitzi and tow, I was like a Bond villain. So Sunday came, and I was ready to execute the final part of my plan. Firstly, I drove to Carl's house and put a letter through his door. It was addressed to his wife, and basically said in block capitals, important, Carl's wife's name, open immediately. Inside was a letter outlining how her husband was having an affair with my girlfriend, along with copies of her phone calls and text log, as well as other information, like they were away together this weekend. I put it through the door, rang the doorbell, and walked away. I then get in my car, drove for a minute, then parked again, and phoned Sarah. Now, I genuinely can't remember a lot of what I said to her, but it was something along the lines of me asking how everything was going and her starting to gush about how much she enjoyed herself. She then said that she feels like a new woman and that she could maybe see herself doing this at least two or three times a year. You know, to blow off the cobwebs. And I was thinking certainly to blow something. At this point, I blurt out, How's Carl? And her yapping stops dead. Silence fills the air until she finally says, who's Carl? I replied, you know, Carl, with a K. I then proceed to tell her that I knew everything, that I changed the locks and all of her stuff was outside of the house. Now, instead of being apologetic, she goes on a thunderous diatribe, blaming me for everything, basically stabbing me in the back while complaining that my backbone was blunting her blade. At the end, I told her how her stuff smelled of Missy's crap and hung up. I then blocked her number and I didn't see or hear from her until Wednesday. When I came back from work, she was sitting on the doorstep and all the bags had been moved. I ignored her, walked around the back and let myself in the back door and locked it behind me. I haven't spoken to her since, although she's made her attempts including a letter. Now, in regards to Carl, I don't know what happened with him and his wife. I do know that he said it wasn't personal to a friend of mine, and this made me angry. Like, is that supposed to make it any better? Someone saying something isn't personal just means it isn't personal to them. It was to me. I heard that COVID hasn't been nice to his business, but you won't catch me shedding no tears for that, unless it's tears of laughter, that is. OP was stone cold for that one guys, cat litter is no joke. I don't know how he held it together at the train station when he parked them beside Carl's car though. The mix of anger, rage, and rush of emotions, I would have burst out laughing like a psychopath at that point. And then proceeded to expose her right then and there, and kick her out of my life. But hey, patience wins in the end guys. Pretty awesome revenge. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you enjoyed the two stories today. If you did, do hit that thumbs up. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, it's an our slash entitled episode. Where a thieving Karen gets exactly what she deserves. Which is embarrassment. Check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat